Welcome to Weird Games and Weirder People, a podcast about role-playing games and the weird, wonderful people behind them. Hello, weirdos! This is Diogo Nogueira, and today we're gonna talk to a weird, wonderful creator, the Dark Lady herself, Kelsey Dion. But maybe you don't know who Kelsey Dion is, maybe you live under a rock or something. So, Kelsey Dion is a new and old-school tabletop RPG designer who founded Arcane Library in 2017 and her modernized take on OSR Gaming, Shadow Dark RPG, founded for $1.3 million on Kickstarter on March 2023. She's basically another rock star of gaming. I met her at Gen Con this year and I couldn't believe she know uh, she did know who I was and we got to talk a bit, really click it and then I said I wanted to do this podcast one day and she was really, really kind and I invited her, we had a really good, great talk uh, we gave relationship advice here, we talk about horror, we talk about her history in gaming how she, she had the opportunity to play with Gary Gygax how many other games influenced her, how she she's aware of story games she, she plays a lot of stuff and Shadow Dark is really a collection of all her favorite styles of gaming, her favorite uh, things he learned through all this journey and created a really cohesive experience with a lot to offer and it was a great chat, I hope you enjoy it as much as we did, so let's get weird with Kelsey Dion. Hey Kelsey, uh, first of all I want to welcome you to the show, uh, what's so great meeting you at Gen Con and I, I've been following your work uh, for a while and I'm watching all these videos from Shadow Dark. I haven't read all the all the rooms yet because I'm really of like a physical book kind of person. Uh, but I'm reading a lot of the videos and following your work and and seeing other people say great things about Shadow Dark. And I'm really excited to to have you here. And I've studied some of the rooms. And first of all, how are you? I'm doing really well, Diego. Thank you so much for having me on here. It was so nice to meet you at Gen Con. So I, I'm really glad that we got to connect there. And now, now we get to talk again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this podcast was kind of a way for me to like extend Gen Con uh, until I can get there uh, another time. Uh, but I mean, you're like a rock star of RPGs, like make like a a million bucks and Shadow Dark is everybody's talking about. I even dreamed about being making like a primal dark kind of game. Uh, but for some reason, maybe someone don't know who Kelsey John is. And I always like to ask people who come here for them to introduce themselves, how they see themselves, how they see what work they do. And if you can, uh, besides that, tell us a little small weird detail about yourself, maybe the way you do coffee, maybe how you like to wake up or something like this? Yeah, well, okay. So yeah, I'm Kelsey Dion. I, um, I've i been working in the TTRPG industry since about 2017, where I first started publishing um, like fifth edition D&D material. So um, that's what I did for several years. And I kind of gradually started to move back towards old school gaming, which is where I got my start. And um, I started to want to write adventures for more of an old style of gameplay. Um, but I was so specific about what I wanted that I ended up having to write Shadow Dark RPG to fit with the kind of design that I wanted to make in my adventures. So that's that's what I ended up doing. It took a few years, um, published that thing on Kickstarter, and it went so much 
crazier than I ever could have guessed. Um, so that was, that was a very wild time. Um, and then now that's what I do. I work on shadow dark and some, a weird thing about me. I, um, I've grown up playing music and, um, I've played a lot of different instruments. I am a classically trained violinist. Um, and I, I switched more over to kind of folk music. So now I play an instrument called the mandolin, which is, it's like a violin, but like a little mini guitar version that you pluck. And so I am a, I'm an avid mandolin player. I don't know if anyone knows that. <laughs> wow. It's, it's very nice. And I, I love seeing how out creators of RPG are really artists and they always dabble with different mediums and they explore how to express themselves, not only through games and RPG or even art, uh, but through other ways to, to explore who they are. Because I, I mean, I think we find a lot of who we are through exploring uh, the things we like to create. Uh, and talking about a little bit of the, the stuff that influenced in, in the in the Shadow Dark, I've 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 done a little bit of research on you. I've I I hear you talk about how you played with like Gary Gygax and other great people in the conventions you went, and it was like, oh my god, I'm like I'm so envious. Like from here in Brazil, I could never do this. And and I see you talked about being influenced by Overstar stuff, but you've played you started playing AD second edition, which was really like the first real edition I understood of D&D because I played uh, D&D basically when I was a kid, but I didn't understand anything. As we were talking about a video, I, I remember you talking about you really didn't understand. I remember Halfling for me was like a mixture of dwarf and, and elves. So they were awesome. Yeah. They had the powers of dwarves and elves, so they were great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and but I'm interesting, uh, interested in know uh, what kind of games uh, or RPGs or any other kind of games you see as formative for the way you see game or, or game design. Yes. Oh, that's such a good question. I um, I did play a lot of D and D in general when I was younger because that's kind of, I think back then that was sort of the game. Like there, people yeah. weren't aware of as many other games, although there were a lot of really good ones like Traveler and all that, it just wasn't on my radar as much. Yeah. Um, so early on, it was a lot of that. I did play a little bit of Role Master um, where you practically need like a, a binder to track your character sheet. The character yeah. sheets are like dozens of pages long. Um, and funnily enough, I think that did really influence how you know what I ended up doing with game design because I found role master to be so so complicated that I couldn't follow it and I was like I wish this were simpler you know um and what else I I definitely did you know this is an interesting thing I I was playing third edition when the Aberon campaign setting came out I don't know if you remember that um yeah, yeah. strange strange time because Wizards of the Coast did like a big contest and so many people submitted campaigns that they wanted to design. And Wizards was like, all right, this is going to be our big new campaign setting. We're going to choose one person and we're going to go all in on helping them develop this. And Eberron won. And, and I remember being so fascinated by seeing a new game world kind of come to life yeah. for the first time with all of this high production value and see it grow from one idea into a book and then two books and then books about like the different cities and the different environments. And so that was really, that was really inspiring and influential because I realized that even a company as big as wizards still starts from the ground up, 
when they're making something new. And I was like, wait a minute, like you can really just start with an idea and then turn it into something this crazy and cool. So it was really impressive to see that. I loved, I loved watching Eberron develop. Yeah, there, there's something magical about seeing something start small and grow. And, and, and that's something I, I try to do with my games because I remember the first game I tried to make was like this big 300 pages game and it would never get done. And, and I got this idea too, I'm going to make like the minimum viable product for this and then I can make it bigger. And, and, and when you see that even like big companies can start that way, they can start with something small and then grow. Uh, that's that's really great. And since you're, you you made Shadow Dark, do you have plans to, to grow it like this, like Eberron? Do you have plans for, for a setting and to explore like the world of Shadow Dark or adventures? What are like your plans to to grow it? I mean, it's yeah. already very complete. There's something I, I, I said I didn't read it, but I flipped through it. It's a really complete system, a lot of tools to help you make you make the best of the game without necessarily supplemental or adventures. Uh, I think that's a, a great approach that the author takes and then bringing that to to people that are more familiar with 5e and see that they don't need to wait for like this new adventure. Just roll some dice, make some shit up and and, and play. And, and that's fantastic. But I, I was curious if you were planning on, on, on growing it or and if you're doing it like uh, all by yourself or do you're growing Shadow Dark like, like Eberron because it's a multitude of people doing it. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I I really do want to write more material for Shadow Dark. Like I feel like the core book was kind of the the basic, the bare bones engine for making all kinds of other different stuff. So um I really want to write more like genre and thematic type stuff. I, I would love to work on more, maybe more setting material that goes pretty far outside of what's actually in the core book. Like something really different. Like I mean, like Eberron, really. Eberron is was very different from standard yeah. fantasy D&D. So um, I would love to do more work like that for the game. And, and I'm planning on it. I'm working on some now. Um, Can you share anything I, with us? Or like yeah, any, any, well, like, sure. Yeah. I, I am always writing um, zines. Like zines are one of the, I love yeah. writing zines. I think you and I both really like that yeah. format. Um, like the digest size, like really impactful uh, piece of piece of world building. But each one is a kind of a contained world setting with its own oh. classes and stuff. It's not, it's not really like a mixture of rules and whatever. They're all meant to be their own isolated setting um, with like a hex crawl, adventures, new classes, gear, mm -hmm. monsters, all of that specific to that world. Um, so I'm working on three of them right now, which um, there's a lot of them. One of them's going to be like an Amazonian setting. I, I am fascinated nice. by the whole vast Amazonian continent and it's so inspiring and so I, I love that really sort of trackless you know tropical rainforest type vibe um so inspired um and then the next one's probably going to be about the underworld like the the shadow dark itself the world of the the mythic underworld fully set there and then the third one is turning out to be entirely about a city so it's going to be all set mm. in one city yeah. Yeah. I don't know what do you do you like find that you get inspired by like a really specific piece of subject matter and then you're almost able to write an entire product on that one thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean uh I was talking to Chris McDowell from Into the Odds and like we have notebooks with ideas we can write games for like decades. We don't know if we'll get <laughs> to, but I mean 
I one thing I do is that I hire artists to make covers for games I want to make and they haven't been made yet. So I have two covers I, like I paid uh, quite some money to make. So I have discovered, oh, I have to write this game because I already paid for the cover. So I have one uh, called In Search of Happiness, which is basically about life and, and, and like stoicism, like you go through life and stuff happens. And another one uh, inspired by like Discworld, like Anki Morpork, and but being like the, the small gods, you as a player, like small gods controlling these mortals in the city. And, and and I really want to make that, but I also want to make finished stuff for Primal Quest. So there's always this, I get hyper-focused on specific stuff and I start making, make, I have to stop myself. Oh, I have to finish other stuff before I do this. It's probably I like, like that. Like It's probably, that's something I, I kind of want to ask you to, Probably people are expecting you to do a lot of stuff for Shadow Dark. And I don't know if are you, are, do you still want to make a lot of stuff for it or do you want to explore other stuff? I don't know if you have this, this dilemma that I, I sometimes find myself in. I want to, I want to explore promo quests and do a lot of stuff, but I want to do this other thing too. And, and I, you know, you, you can do it all. So how do you administer this? Because I see you are another, so you're like a musician too. So you probably want to do something else, right? It it does right. I I have that problem too, where I I'm I'm always writing like four books at the same time, <laughs> and I, it's really hard, right, to choose one yeah. to focus on. Um, I always am torn by that because I think that there's something really valuable to to taking action while you're inspired, you know, because yeah. inspiration doesn't last forever, and so if you can really leverage that excitement and use it to get as far ahead as you can, that's great. Um, but <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it means you're doing multiple things at once. And um, I'm definitely in that boat. And, you know, I I have tons of endless excitement for writing Shadow Dark stuff, but there are other games I love too. You know, my, my yeah. I have friends like um, Index Card RPG is a long time game I've loved by Runehammer Games. Yeah, so Rune I always Hammer. love writing for that. Yeah, um, I'm so excited about Chris McDowell's new, he's doing his mythic Bastion Land yeah. thing. I'm so excited to look into that and and play that. And gosh, there's just so much cool stuff that it's like you said, I feel like I have more projects than I could write in a lifetime. Yeah. And so it's hard to focus on what yeah. one to, to really dig into. Yeah. We yeah. need clones, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just need someone to answer all my emails for me so I can go right. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you spend a lot of time answering? I'm I'm terrible answering emails. I, I, I'm I pretty sure there's a publisher in Germany that thinks I don't like them or I was trying to do something behind her. But, because uh, I suffer from anxiety uh, disorder and I take meditation for it. But sometimes it gets too much. Uh, last year, I, I was like eight months without being able to write or even answer emails. So... It 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 gets bad. So, but I've 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 learned something today. That's I will try this. Uh, instead of making like the 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 mailbox or to do list, like leaving all those mails there, you actually open the mails and see. Oh, this will take me one hour to answer, and then I block a time on my calendar for that. So the email is not a surprise anymore. I know there is this is, and then I put the link to email in the calendar. So I already know kind of how much time it will take me. I, I will try that. Because, yeah, sometimes I would get emails, oh, I'll have to deal with this. And I wouldn't even look at an email thinking it could be something very complicated. Sometimes it is not. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I run into that too. And then the word, the more it gets backlogged, the more you feel like you can't look at it because it's so yeah. intimidating. <laughs> I run into that. And yeah. it's, it's funny because it is true when you really, when you really look at something, you realize that it's not as complicated yeah. of a, of a thing as you thought, but you might, I mean, and you must get this too, because you're on social media, you're, you have email, you have, you might have Facebook, you might have Twitter, you might have discord yeah. and there's just so much coming in from all of yeah. those different angles you could spend all day answering them and yeah. never get ahead and so I, I i'm sure there are people out there who think that i'm mad at them too because i didn't yeah. answer but the reality is i just couldn't yet <laughs> yeah there's you can't because you you want to live outside of this game so you you have your partners we have family we have friends and it's very important to to go outside of gaming uh, one of cause of my anxieties, I get hyperfocused and I only do gaming and I neglect myself, my family, uh, things that actually make me happy too. And then we have to be able to step back and say, okay, that was enough for this. I answered some emails. I can't answer everything. Like I, no, we can't. You know, there's a new game. I once said that uh, there was some time he realized that he wasn't a writer anymore. He he answered emails and occasionally would write. And then I said, oh, I only look at mails like once a week because otherwise it's it's impossible. <laughs> that is so that is so true. I this made me think of a deep can I can I ask you a deep question that I've been thinking about lately? Oh yeah. Oh I, I don't know. I was yes, yeah. I I would be so interested to hear your thoughts on this because I don't know what I think about it yet. Um I realized that because gaming is it I mean, it was our hobby, right? Before it was our job. Yeah. And, and yeah. I love it. And I could spend all day thinking about it. And I do. And I realized, what do I do that isn't gaming? You know, I'm like, do I, if someone took gaming away from me for a day, like, what would I do with myself? I don't know. I genuinely <laughs> wonder and I get a little worried because I'm like, would I go like shopping or would I? You're, well, you're a musician. A you're a musician. Yes, you're an artist. You have true. all these, uh, these options. You know, I, Actually, I want to come back later and ask about your music. But for me, uh, I I have a day job. I'm a, I'm a tax collector, like a proper tax collector for the government. Wow. Yeah, I hate it uh, because oh. interiorly, interiorly, like you study and tax is like this beautiful thing. Like those who have too much will give, so the government will provide structure for those who have doesn't have to have less than than they should. Uh, but in reality, like politicians and lobbies and people who actually pay taxes are the poor and the middle class. And actually, at least here and where I live, the rich doesn't pay here proper too. taxes. <laughs> That's yeah. here too. So, mm -hmm. so I, I sometimes say that, oh, I feel like a legalized gangster. <laughs> you know, I'm like extorting these people. And especially in Brazil, like my city is a mess. But anyway, I would say that I'm a punk servant that I dream of being an RPG writer. And then I became an RPG writer. I somehow I won an award, and people actually respect what I do. And but I have other passions too. Like I love comedy, uh, I love stand-up comedy. And now I bring oh, I'm an RPG writer, and I dream of being a stand-up comedian. You know, <laughs> but I mean, I it's just that. it's just things like we like explore because I had one. I I was thinking about like leaving my day job and try to live off games, but one one fear I had was if this actually becomes my job and not something I do out of love, uh, we will be as stressed as I am with my day job and with RPGs. And this will start being something I enjoy and being work. Uh, 
I don't know how do you see that, but that's something fear I have. But I also mean, I see myself as an artist and I, I see you as an artist too, like you talked about music and stuff. So I think there's always something we can explore. I'm almost curious of trying new stuff. Like this podcast, for example, I, I wanted to do a podcast. I bought a $10 course on Udemy. I made the course, I made the podcast. Like we can try other stuff, I think. I think I think the artist's mind is always curious. And if we didn't have this, we would seek something else for sure. Yeah. What do you you're, think? You're right about that. Yeah. I, I do think you're right. And and I think, well, I thought it was so interesting too that you said you were worrying that if you started doing this as your full-time day job, that it might become like more a source of anxiety or unhappiness than happiness. And that is a risk people run. I I, yeah. I think I can honestly say that thankfully I I don't have that as a real problem for me, but I could if if I wasn't careful. Um because if suddenly everything you do is centered around trying to turn it into a way to earn money, yeah. It, yeah. it really does kind of it can force you into doing things that you don't want to do. So um there have been times where it was challenging where I had to had to really decide whether I want to do something and hate it to make the money or to not do it and think, wow, am I, am I going to get by these next couple months? So there have been moments like that, but, um, it can be a little challenging, but also it's not, it's not inevitable. It's not inevitable that you'll come to hate it. You know, it's only, I think <laughs> if you, if you're not careful, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it, it's something I try to concentrate too, because, uh, when you start to get recognition, people like your job, you start to enjoy this this recognition, people say nice things to you, and you release new stuff, and and, some, and all of a sudden, nobody really cares, and you start asking, is this good, or is this bad, or should I continue to do this? And then I started getting to that space, uh, seeking validation for others, and, and, and I, I, I hate it, so I have to think about it as this is something... I'm doing because I, I I want to see this. I want to play this game. So I'm doing this game for me. And that's the first thing mm -hmm. I, I do. And this game's for me. If nobody plays it, who cares? It's for me anyway. And exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and and enjoying the process of making it. Like I have to enjoy just creating this stuff. No matter if this will get published or get, uh, I don't know, uh, awarded or people will buy it. Because if you get too much in this space of, oh, I have to finish this, to do this, to get this money, to send it to that award or to do something, you lose focus what we're actually doing. You're just looking far ahead and you don't see what is in front of you. Uh, I don't know if that, that makes any sense, but for me, that kind of helped me get over the burnout and anxiety of like doing the work. <laughs> yeah, you're. I, I again agree so much that the like the best the best material that i've written is because i was excited about it and passionate about it and on the flip side the probably the the less the i don't want to say i, I don't want to say i've willfully put bad material no, out into yeah. the world but i i think the stuff that i struggled with the most and that maybe wasn't as strong was stuff that i really didn't want to do and and you can tell like that yeah. comes through in yeah. in the work so you're so right about that it's trying to preserve your own it, it's really trying to follow what you find the most value in because that's the only way to really honestly make good work, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. That's kind of something what this, this podcast is kind of about too, to get to know the people behind the games, the stuff that they're passionate about, uh, even their like philosophy, 
venues or something because I think we can understand a little bit more of the games they make as we understand them a little bit better you know mm -hmm. yeah. and 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 that's something I try to do here and I would like to ask you uh Kelsey how would you describe the weird how do you see it and and why do you seek it in your work and in your life in general yeah oh man how am I weird I okay I <laughs> I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like I've always been weird. I, um, and, and not always comfortably, you know, when I was a kid, I, I didn't really feel like I fit in a lot with my friends and not that they were unwelcoming. I, I had dear friends when I was a kid, but I always was kind of strange. Like I've always been a tomboy. So I've always been like kind of a boyish kid and all my friends were boys and I didn't get what the girls liked doing. I didn't get it and I didn't like it. And, um, But, it, you know, I was also a small, tiny girl. And so, like, I couldn't always keep up with my friends who were boys who were, like, playing football or climbing in trees. I would try my best, yeah. but I was definitely, you know, just the tiny little girl over there. So it's been strange. But I I, um, I think that I, I don't know. I've always just been really interested in stuff that doesn't seem to match with what people expect that I should like when they when they look at me. Is that, you know, is that strange? Um, and... And I, and I also find that I just get, I get really obsessively interested with, um, subject matter that, that is kind of like off the beaten path, you know, like adventuring and exploring and sword and sorcery books and, um, like dorky fantasy that no other little girls liked. And it, 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 um, you know, it, it felt like I was the only person like that sometimes when I was a kid, um, yeah. exactly like me, you know, at least But I had I had friends who I had a lot of friends who were really into that kind of stuff too. But it, I think it was more comfortable for them because that was expected of them. They were like kind of dorky little boys, and it wasn't weird for them to be super into Mortal Kombat, the video game, and like stuff like that. <laughs> um, that's yeah. So that's but I used to be more self conscious about that, you know, especially as a kid. Um, I used to think that that I truly was very weird, and now I love being weird. I love it. I I really enjoy um, having strange interests and obsessions and and learning yeah. about weird stuff that that you know I don't think most people would even find worth talking about. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Like, how would you characterize your own set of weirdness? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities. I've always kind of felt like an outsider. And like like at RPGs, I I use it to wear this like columns gear, and I don't know. I was very shy, and and now I'm I'm like going through the diagnosis of ASD, like being autistic, uh, because mm -hmm. we found out my my kid is, and like we are so alike, like we're he's basically my clone, <laughs> and <laughs> and and the doctors is pretty sure I have so, but I'm going through all the tests. And uh, not only autism, like depression, ADHD, and all this, this stuff. And uh, but I don't know. I always felt like an outsider. I always had really close friends, but really like a small, tight group of friends that into the same weird stuff. And I always, always been kind of macabre, macabre, macabre. I don't know how to say that in English, but weird and like the. Undead and and skulls and this kind of stuff and and it's really weird because my kid we're always trying to be so gentle with him and he always has this oh 
death or something. He has this this weird energy in him too, somehow. <laughs> but, <laughs> But he's like you in a lot of ways. Do you, do yeah. you feel like you're going to be able to kind of guide him because you're so similar oh. you're almost like I know what you're going through oh yeah much much better than my parents ever did you know because yeah. I mean they didn't have the information we had now 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 we can understand that uh, autism there is very various kinds of autism like a lot of people say oh are you sure your kid is autistic because he's one of those high functional ones but he has really like me has really sensitive about some stuff Uh, difficult with social uh, environments and social cues. And I remember like every girl I ever met or dated, they said, oh, I, I never realized you were into me because you always seem like like you're angry with something, like because like expressions and so I, I've, I've learned it. I learned it over time. I'm, I've got better to it. But as a teenager, I, I had no idea what were, I was doing and social cues were, were hard to me. So I think that helped with being weird. But I mean, obviously like in, in Brazil, Like in the US, like we had satanic panic during the 90s because we had like murders and they found RPG books with, with people that killed. And then, oh, RPG makes people kill each other. And so like I had my parents didn't want me to play. Like kids in school would find us weird because we played RPGs. I, I had uh, like uh, people I was going out with when they find out I was playing RPGs, they would stop going out with me and this kind of stuff. But Yeah. Wow. I don't know. That must have been you. so tricky. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's, it's so interesting because I guess Brazil had the satanic panic a little bit after yeah. it happened oh, in the US. We all have everything it. 10 years yeah. after you guys have like, just wait 10 oh. years it gets here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, I hope something good happens here that gets there in 10 years <laughs> instead of just bad stuff, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. What something I was actually asking is like, how, how would you define weird? Like, uh, oh. you said like weird being something that doesn't match. Does does that kind of something a definition would find? Like, oh, I, I, I identify weird by being something that is out of place or something. I mean, uh, again, like Chris McDonald said, the weird is in the absence of stuff. And sometimes like to find the weird is a new way to see the mundane in a new light. Or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think you distilled what I had said very well, and that I, I, I think my instinct is to say that, in my opinion, something weird is something that doesn't match the expectation. You know, yeah. because we we build so many frameworks in our day to day life we'll surrounding patterns. Yeah, to recognize yeah. and and be safe, and we see something that breaks that pattern, and we kind of right. cause our attention and make us see this in, in a different way. Yeah. yeah, that's exact. And in fact, you know, I think that we spend most of our day following those patterns and very yeah. little of our day not. And um, so when something falls outside of it, I think it immediately strikes us as either novel or weird or both. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, that, 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 that touches upon, you know, when we decide whether something is dangerous or concerning or, um, you know, we we when we're when something happens outside of our expectations we have to make decisions about it whether it's something good or bad for us and you know it could fall either way and so i think that's you know when we feel weirdness we're we're feeling the need to make a decision about whether something might be even like a threat to us or whether it's just something interesting but mundane so it, it touches on danger almost at least in my opinion yeah 
Well, it calls for a reaction, you know, it causes attention and asks us for, well, do something. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. For, for RPG, especially because we want to move things uh, forward. So having something that makes the player say, well, what the hell is that thing? They will, at least they will try to poke it with a 10 foot pole or something, right? <laughs> we hope so. We, when we design that's what, I mean, I laugh about this because I, I, I write these situations and I'm like, I hope they mess with it. Like, I hope I can yeah. entice the people playing this to mess with this because, yeah. you know, you know, half the time something bad might happen, but still you try to convince them and pull them into this weird situation you set up. So that's actually really funny. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any, any strategy to how to attract players to mess with weird stuff that you put on, on, the, on the games you make? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it might even just be simple things where like, not everything, again, weird in the game world is bad. You know, you have to have it be a good even split sometimes so that there are benefits sometimes to messing with things. Um, you know, that was that was one mistake as a kid that I would make when I was writing, you know, little D&D adventures for my friends. Like everything they touched was bad, you know, and so yeah. they would just <laughs> go into a room and not want to do anything. And I was like, well, why don't you guys want to interact with this room? And, you know, it it. it I think you learn over time that it's yeah. um, it's like a weird sword fight, you know, where sometimes you're giving and taking and pulling and pushing and um, you can't always be the aggressor. Otherwise, that becomes too predictable. And um, that's the same thing with writing or really with anything. You have to have ebb and flow. There needs to be the ebb and flow to it. Yeah, yeah. It has to be like a variation. Uh, one example I, I sometimes bring up is like the the trilogy of moves of the hobbits because in the movie for example you have calm moments and action and calm moments but in the movies like action 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 all the time and in, sometimes it just gets you know if it's bad all the time you get tired you, know, you don't explore it yeah, yeah. there's yeah. no contrast and then you just kind of get like overwhelmed with the same thing all the time yeah yeah uh kelsey uh Talking about creation, as you, you make music, uh, you, you write, do you have any kind of uh, creative ritual you do before start writing, either like uh, music you listen or like some invocation of the muse before start writing or a funny hat you wear or, or a toy you get by your side to help you get inspired or anything like this? Yeah, <laughs> I do, I'm sure. I wonder if... Um... I, if somebody doesn't have a weird ritual they do, I'm almost like, are you okay? You know, but I, <laughs> I, um, I definitely listen to music. A lot of times I'll try to pull together playlists that feel like they match what I'm trying to work on. Um, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people will actually do that. Um, but it's really funny. I have here, I'll show you this. I don't know if this will be like visually on the podcast, but I have this little like Goku, um, oh, you yeah. know, Dragon Ball Z. It's like, yeah, an anime. I love it. Yeah, and I tried I, to I convince mean, my love... kid to watch it, but uh, he is more into other stuff. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 hit it's or too miss. Long but... too. I mean, now they have one yes. that's compacted, but I remember the fights would last like hours and hours. It was yeah, the... you would wait like twenty yeah. episodes yeah. for like five minutes. It was the subject of my my recess in school for like years. Like we all watched it. Did you see last night? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like they they got through like three more seconds of the fight, but yeah, yeah, it was. I would run home. I would be so sad because Dragon Ball Z would come on after school, like right when we got home, oh. 
And if the bus wasn't fast enough, uh, I, I would miss like the first 10 minutes of it and I'd be so sad. But um, but my little, this is so funny, but my little ritual with, with Goku is he's kind of always like standing in a way that I think reflects what I'm working on in my life. Um, the Genkidama. You know, like, yeah, like right now he's charging up a spirit bomb because I haven't um, delivered the Shadow Dark books yet and they're still on the way so that, you know, I haven't dropped the spirit bomb yet. And during the Kickstarter, he was doing a little Kamehameha. He was shooting his uh, best his best yeah. attack. And I just think it's fun to look at him and think, oh, you know, Goku's reflecting my current state of of effort in my life. And so um, <laughs> one time my great. wife like yeah. messed around with the figurine like one day and I was like, you too. <laughs> I was like, I need Goku to be standing in the right way. You know, it was so dorky. Um, I mean, we laughed about it, but I was, I was like, you know, ten minutes later, I had him set back yeah. upright. So, yeah. Do you I have, have rituals? I have Riman right over there with Scanator, uh in the oh, shelves. <laughs> nice. And I have some Star Wars <laughs> toys here. Uh, but my ritual is more. I have, I have this music that I sing uh, every day. It's like a punk rock song from from a band here that plays with Mark Ramon. They have like a this Ramon style of music. Like for me, like the f- best band of all time is the Ramones. <laughs> Ooh, good I mean, you, you are you are a musician. You probably don't think them like too much, but I mean, for me, it's like uh, I don't know the yeah, Angel like Star it. stuff. People identify a lot of metal. For me, it's a lot about punk rock. Like you make do with what you have. And we make zines with like three short songs, you know, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. yeah. But I, 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 this music is like uh, about no matter if it's sun or if it's the moon, uh, life is like a punk rock show. We just have like 50 minutes to show what you got, kick out the bad stuff, just keep going and play your parts. And, and no matter if it's sun or, or light. So I see that's more like no matter what you're doing, try to to make something creative like every day, uh, forget the bad stuff, sit down 15 minutes, half an hour, uh, you can try to make something. And, and that's what I, I try to do. Like, uh, because I, uh, as we were talking before the show, like I was rushing here to get here on time, like the kids at their job and all this, this bunch of stuff to do. So I try to make the most of my time. If I only have 30 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, it's punk rock, baby. I just sit down, write what I can, forget if I, I don't. And if the time is done, I just mark on my calendar because I have like a year-long calendar on the wall with all the days. So every day I make something, I I cross the day and I try to make like a, the worm as bigger as I can. If I miss, I try to make the next worm bigger. And that's like a creative uh, tip I got from Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, you know? Oh my gosh, yes, I I. I feel like I've heard this um, this kind of technique where you just you you mark a day every day that you manage to do something, even if it's just a little bit, and yeah. you just try to keep it going. I should try that. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's like. Comedy. Uh, I'm really into comedy, and I I I listen to podcasts. I read books, and 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 they have all these creative rituals that I incorporate into RPGs and some some comedians too the way they treat the media and I try to explore the media of RPGs in a similar way. Like for me, like my creative crush is a comedian called Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham, yeah. I don't know. He has a special Netflix called Inside. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. Uh, he recorded, edited, he did all by himself during the pandemic uh, because he was a very young comedian when he got famous. He was 18 years old when he got his first special 
on HBO. And, and by, by 2015, he was like uh, 15 years old. He was very famous, but he was having panic attacks on stage. So he stopped performing for five years and was seeking treatment, was getting better. And he was getting back to stage in 2020. We had the pandemic. So he stayed home oh. and he made a special at home. Uh, not like a full hour recorded, but like recorded various videos. He makes music too. Oh, you're a musician. Oh, I hope you like it because uh, it's very good. And I, I listen to his music as just music. I dance to his music, but it's it's funny. It's really well produced. It's it's intelligent. It has social critique and stuff. And it's really uh, a picture of the pandemic because he deals with anxiety. He and, and you, as you see the special, he begins with like a short beard. And by the end, the beard is like long, you know, it's great. Uh, <laughs> I've I'll absolutely heard of it. I've, I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it because um, when you said, oh, he's also a musician, I was like, I know who that is. I remember hearing about this special. I really need to watch it. Have you heard about the music? Welcome to the Internet. Like, Welcome to the Internet. Take a look around. Have you have heard? Is that of it? him? It's a, yeah, that's him. Yeah. I have heard of it. Oh my gosh! Now I really need to watch this. Yeah, oh, oh that's he's, so cool. He's so good, <laughs> and his yeah, he vinyl—it's—it's it's fantastic. It's a box set set, and each vinyl, uh, you can change the covers because each cover has like an acetate cover over it, and and that acetate changes the image behind because the way they did the colors, like those illusions, and so you can change the covers between each of the vinyls because there are four vinyls, and each time the cover change. So I was thinking about. Because people are doing like RPG vinyls, like uh, Games on Everus. And I was thinking about like a setting with this. And like if you go to the Shadow World, you would put the like the purple vine, purple acetate over it and it would change the map or something. It's really inspiring for RPG stuff. So, yeah. That is so cool. Oh, my gosh. You have to do that. That would be so cool. Yeah. Like it's in my, my, my notebook of ideas. Maybe I'll get to it. Maybe I, I won't. Yeah. And that's something I would like. I would like to ask you too. Is that is there uh, like an artist from, not from RPGs that inspires you for you to seeking? It can be a musician or I don't know, a painter. I don't know. It inspires the work you do. Yes, there is. I you know I'm gonna look at my phone to remember his name because I was just looking at his art. Um, but he's a he's a a Japanese visual artist who. Um, does a type of um, a type of uh, he he did this sort of vaporwave style art that was bef before vaporwave itself was a trend. Which, if I had to explain vaporwave, I, I would vaporwave. I would call it like surreal West Coast American art. Um, oh. The artist's name is Hiroshi Nagai. Um, and he, he, he's from Japan, but he makes sort of his vision of this surreal, really vibrant, peaceful West coast, like Americana art. And when I look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like this, he's, he's like turning what I see, like, you know, I've seen these landscapes, but yet he makes them more real than the ones that I see with my own eyes. Um, and yeah. it's so inspiring. I just, I love like, I don't know. I love this kind of sense of peace and um, majesty that he captures. And and he he somehow, 
gosh, I wish I could explain it better. Hiroshi Nagai, he somehow creates these nostalgic, heart-wrenching pieces of still life art that I I find so inspiring. I, I just, I can stare at them and sort of make up stories for what you see, you know? And that, that, that to yeah. me is just like, it's incredible when you can look at a single static piece of art and suddenly have this whole yeah. like feeling of an era wash over you, you know? That's that's great. That's something that I, I find so fascinating about human art is called how artists can tell whole stories in like in a single picture. Like I always use I'm I'm not religious or anything, but I always use the the last the last supper painting like as an example because it's only one image, but that, that image tells so much because each each one of the apostles uh is doing something like they're whispering or they're making a gesture and they're always telling like a, a very a complete story in just one image and that's one thing that's one of the gripes i have with ar art because they are not telling a story they're like a repeating pattern but they didn't have any intention of telling anything so yeah, yeah that's so true it it seems um yeah it, when you look at AI work, I don't know, even if you don't know that it's AI, it almost feels like guesswork instead of intentional. Yeah. Is that, you know? It can be a shiny, like like a Easter egg, a shiny, beautiful Easter egg, but it's empty inside, you know, because it lacks intention, intentionality. And that's something essential for art, I, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That's And that's, you know, some of the most compelling like D&D &D artists, like, uh, like from the 2E era. So I was just looking through Dark Sun. Um, oh, yeah. Who, the Brahm, this yeah. incredible oil painter, did the, the flagship art for it. And the entire setting was inspired by a painting that he just did for fun for himself. And yeah. can you imagine like one of D&D's most longly cherished settings for its just uniqueness was was fully inspired by one man's painting. It's just incredible to think how much impact yeah. one piece of imagery can have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talking about RPGs, one of the questions I like to to make to guests here is, is if you think RPGs are weird, and if you do, what would be like your favorite weird part of RPGs? Yeah, I, I, well, I do think they're a little weird in a way because um because it's really difficult to explain them to someone who's never played one. It's it's almost like a concept they've never touched on. You know, like yeah. we've all seen movies, we've all read books, we know what comic books are, you know, we know yeah. what podcasts, so many people know immediately what that is. And then if they've never had any, any contact with D&D, &D, the only way to really get them to understand it is to have them play it. Um, and yeah. so that that sets it apart right away as kind of a strange art form. Um, but the thing I most like about it that I think is both the weird but magical element of it is that um, you might it might be the first time that you're going back to like doing collaborative make believe ever since you were a kid. You know, like it, it's funny that we used to do, like when you're a kid, you so easily play and make up ideas and say, well, let's say this happens. And then, no, that wouldn't be fair. Let's say it goes this way instead. And then everybody agrees. And then you just yeah. stop doing that. And you almost forget that you can. So it's funny. It's fun to see adults come back to the game, realizing that they've known how to do it all along. And of course they understand it. They just didn't think they did. And I really like that about RPGs. Yeah, that's a, a great way to see it. Right? RPGs is a kind of return to child play. And, and that's really important uh, to creativity and stuff. And, and really, 
being to that play mentality, I think it's, it's a nice way to see it. And then it brings uh, you to a, a new way to collaborate with others because if we see like in the 90s, it was really strong this idea of like the, the DM being this storyteller and he's going to tell this great story and you are going to play it in kind of a, you know, railroad kind of way. And as you see games more as, as a play thing, we can be more more liberal with stuff. We can uh, let players explore, do stuff they like, and we can explore the stuff too. We don't have to be so attached to the the prep we made or anything like this. So seeing mm -hmm. it as a play mm -hmm. is, a, is a fantastic way to see it for sure. Yeah. And then it makes sense to people in hindsight. They're like, oh, I get it. And now yeah. I understand what it is you do, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's our that moment, like explaining what RPGs are and they ask, oh, it's, it's like this other game. And I say, oh, no, it's more <laughs> like this. And oh, so like this other thing. Oh, yeah, quite. You know, I always like yeah. this, right? Yeah. I have so many people in my family who who still think that I design video games and I'm like, you know, that's okay. close enough. Yeah. I'm just going to say enough. that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I design analog video games. That's what I right. do. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, that's and it's as as accurate as that is. Uh, it's hard for people to make the jump into getting it, yeah. you know. Yeah, see, what, what would you say is like the weirdest thing uh in your favorite widow's thing about Shadow Dark? Ooh, um, I, so I think the weirdest thing about the game is um, it uses real time a lot. Um, like the, one of the, it, <laughs> some people call it a gimmick and I'm like, maybe it is, but uh, torches last for an hour of real time. Yeah, it's a, it's a gimmick it's and a, a mechanic, but um, but the real, the game really is built around it. So I think like when people play it, they start to realize that it's not just like a bolt on thing. Like everything about the game has been designed yeah. to support the fact that torches are limited and they last an hour of real time. Um, and when you don't have one, things are super, super bad. So, uh, I really, I think that was the most jarring thing for people about the game and the most unusual. And that's, that's actually why I like it the most out of anything. <laughs> Yeah, and how hard it is for for them to to get a to a torch? Can they like in the dungeon stick like a piece of wood and and get uh, textile and make one? Or if they run out of torches, they like really screwed. How? Yeah, it's kind of a blend. Like if someone makes a torch, I'll I'll let them do it, but it doesn't last as long as like a well made. Yeah torch yeah. you know so they can get away with stuff like you know creativity is is in in finding a way to to get light is really exciting and fun but it's never quite as good as having an actual torch oh yeah yeah uh yeah see talking about games you uh what would be the weirdest game uh you ever played or a or, or recent one, if you don't remember, like the weirdest, weirdest, like a, a weird gaming yeah. experience you can share with us. Oh, there's, well, there's two, there's two game systems that I found so weird and so fun that I can call to mind. The The first one, which I think a lot of people have played now, it's been out a long time, was Dread, um, which is like a horror game where you're, you're using a Jenga tower yeah. and... And every time you do something, you pull a piece out. And then if you're the one who causes the Jenga tower to crumble, your character dies. And um, that was one of my first non-D&D um, gaming experiences, actually. Back back in the day, I had a friend introduce me to that game. 
And I was like, this is crazy. Like we're using a meta currency that the players know about to like not die. And like, it was so weird, but so it worked so well that I was just like, this is the weirdest, coolest thing ever. So I love that. Um, and then it, uh, a few years ago, I played a game called The Skeletons. Um, yeah. Where you you are the skeleton lurking in the dungeon for like eons at a time, just waiting for adventurers to show up. And you're rolling to see like how many millennia are passing between each each occurrence. And I I, I really loved that. I thought that the the way that time moved and the world changed around you was so fun and exciting to see develop. So that that one was a complete reversal of what you expect from Dungeons and Dragons, which is why it was both weird and delightful. I loved it. Yeah, yeah it's those are really great games and really uh, Dread is a classic. Like a lot of people get uh, their indie kind of initiation with games like Dread or, or like Fiasco or like yeah. this classic narrative uh, driven games. And then and, and Jenga, Jenga Tower is great because it it has the tension of the game because it's a horror game, but the tension of like pulling the pieces and seeing if it will drop and it's really well well built game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and now Kelsey, we're getting more into personal and talking about life experience and being weird. Uh uh has has this year been weird for you? How has this year been treating you? Yeah, it's it's been so strange. I um I I started the year off putting the Kickstarter up for Shadow Dark and then and my life really changed in about a month. Oh, yeah. Um it was, you know, super exciting and I'm I'm still trying to figure out how you know what my life is going to be like now after after getting to be so fortunate is to have such a successful Kickstarter. Um and so it's a little bit of an identity crisis where I'm like, gosh, I'm not just this obscure person like laboring and in darkness writing these little things. Like there are enough yeah. people who care about what I do that um, that it matters. Do you feel and pressure? So, do you feel pressure? Um, you know, I, I, I feel like a little bit of a responsibility to to make sure that I take care of the community and the the players and make sure that they have cool new material and that um you know that yeah yeah I guess I, I feel like I've become sort of the steward of something that I didn't realize I would be you know um so it's a strange feeling um but it's it's all good stuff though it's all good stuff yeah. it's just um yeah yeah where where you're you um you realize that that there are people who care enough about what you do that you um that you should reciprocate by doing yeah. cool things for them yeah yeah it, it feels like that that quotation that i don't remember in english how it is but from the neo prince that you're responsible for everything you captivate or something i don't know if it's in the same way that neo prince is written in brazil but it, it's kind of feel like this like if since you touch it all this these people with your game you kind of feel responsible to to keep them engaged with and and and, and providing them with more good stuff and and, yeah. and i don't know for me sometimes it can be a pressure and and and, and sometimes I, I have to say well you kelsey you, you give them already so much so 
if you if you ever feel pressure, don't worry. Like you, the game is fantastic, can do a lot of stuff already, and 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 don't feel pressured and like to, to do this. It's great that you can do, but uh, we are enough, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much. Well, and you have good advice on this because you're so well recognized too, and you've probably had this experience of of people being like, "Oh my gosh, like what are you going to write your next like giant OSE adventure yeah. or whatever or your next system?" So. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you've probably been through some of that too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Because I feel the pressure like, oh, I should write more for solar blades and cosmic spells. Oh, why sharp sword the second edition isn't out yet. And people are asking me and I feel kind of this kind of pressure and, 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 and start getting, I have anxiety. So I start getting anxious and stuff doesn't, doesn't happen, but I have to say to myself, oh, I've, I've given them enough. I've given myself, if, if I don't publish anything more. I've published it enough, but I, but I try to enjoy it, what I do, because don't don't feel the pressure. I don't know if you feel that way, but I, I like to share just to I don't know, find common ground. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, it's true. I, it's it's interesting to to get to talk about it's yeah. Because you said we're like adapting to do this new thing, and maybe you felt pressure and just trying to say. It's all good. We're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I do feel a little bit. It's good to hear that. Uh, it's good to know that like, yes, you have to remind yourself that um that you have you've given a great deal already. You've you've done your best already. And so um, you know, that doesn't mean one should stop working on what oh, they yeah, like, no. but yeah. but don't forget, yeah, don't don't forget what what has come before is a good yeah. is a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh some, uh, sometimes I hear is like Remember how much you wanted to be where you are now. Like the future seems scary, but remember how much you wanted to to be well where we are now. You know. Yeah, so true, <laughs> so true, man. <laughs> so it's been a strange year. Has your year been weird at all, Diogo? Have you had any weird stuff happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, as I said, like my kid got diagnosed with ASD last year, and he moved to a, a big school this year in Brazil when we had all this adaptation. And I was having a triple burnout last year because after the, the award, uh, I started having too much uh, work offers and I didn't know how to say no <laughs> because I always felt like an outsider. And after I won an award, all these people I always wanted to work with, wanted to work with me. So I, I said yes, of course. And I started getting things late. Because I was doing a lot of work, but my own personal projects, the stuff I really wanted to do was kind of to the side. So I was working, 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 working. I didn't see my own stuff progressing. So I was kind of feeling I'm not doing anything, even though I'm super tired. So it got to a point that I had to stop everything. And and, and then I went to Gen Con. And then I met you. I met Chris McDowell. I met Soap. Much people, I haven't been to Gen Con for five years. My last one was 2018. So I was really missing connecting with, with for me, it's kind of my tribe, my people. Uh, and it was so good. And I went, I came back recharged with completely different energy, you know, because I, I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy, but I was just like super tired. My, my, my kid is better at school. He's adapted. I think it was like a conjunction of all things. So the half of the first year, I was happy because I was with my family. I was spending time with, with my kid, reconnecting and dealing with my anxiety and discovering all these things that I'm now doing the diagnosis. But after Jane Cohn, I don't know, kind of the the creative community 
helped me see that I can still do this because there was a point in the like in, in the first month that I said, oh, I think I will never write an RPG book again, you know. And... Oh no, I'm so glad that you broke yeah. through that because that would be a shame if I, we would all have a that would be a great loss to the RPG community if you never wrote another book again. So um, that's, yeah, Gen, Gen Con was um, so reinvigorating. It was so yeah. special. I I almost didn't go because I was also really kind of burned out and tired and um, had been going so, so hard the whole yeah. year. Oh, I'm so glad I did. It really was one of the best. It, I, you know, I, I love all the cons that I go to, but Gen Con was for some reason incredibly special. Getting to spend that time yeah. with everybody and see all the people who I admire so much. I mean, just having you walk up to me in the dealer hall, I turned around and I was like, oh my God, that's Diego. And I was like, I, I cannot believe that there are just all these people who I've admired for so long, just walking around, you know? Yeah. No, and you were walking like with, with Dr. DM and, 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 and uh, Bill Ben Milton and all these other like great figures there. And, and, and I got to talk to you and you were like, by far like the most sympathetic and, and kind person I met there and it was really great to talk to you and and it was fantastic and I got to meet all these other people and the podcast was kind of the way for me to continue the Gen Con experience and, and get in this small like an hour and a half, two hours to talk to someone and because one of my favorite parts was like, I don't know if you remember saying if you're going to eat somewhere because when you get to sit down and eat with some of these people the conversations are so more, much more relaxed and we can get into in the weird part kind of stuff we're doing here, you know? Yeah, that that was actually, that might've been the most fun part of all at the convention yeah. was just going and having meals with all the people who yeah. I was so excited to be around. I mean, I, I wish I could have had dinner with every single cool person yeah. I met. It, it's it's hard to arrange, but um, yeah. yeah. It's impossible it to- so fun. It's like this mm -hmm. podcast, like there's so many people want, I want to invite and some people are like starting asking to be on the podcast. And I want to invite everybody, but I mean, it's like one or two per week or otherwise I don't do other things beside the podcast. But yeah. it's, it's yeah, I understand. Like maybe some other, some other time we go there, we can, I, I don't know, uh, grab a coffee or, or something. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you, do you think you'll be able to go again for the coming year? Or is it some, like, it, it's, it's hard to get there. It, yeah, even, yeah. Even I don't live that far away and it's hard for me to get there. Yeah, I usually just go one year and the other one I do go and I go the other year, like save money and yeah. and yeah. and for my partner to travel too. She's probably going to like her cousin uh wedding next year and it's in California. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. That'll be pretty. Oh my gosh. We I do that with my wife where we kind of trade off big events. Like I'll go yeah. to Gen Con and she stays home and like watches our we have a dog who's so spoiled she's like a yeah. child and we like can't bear to leave her alone. So we can't like travel yeah. and just like leave her somewhere. So it's so bad. So she stays home with our dog and then she'll go travel to see like her family or, or go see some friends for a few days yeah. and I'll stay home with the dog. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Hello weirdos. This is Diogo Nogueira and I'm back with a word from our sponsors, me. I just released a new game called Cosmosaurus, in which you play a dinosaur space ranger who protects the galaxy from evil threats such as slime bankers, undead pirates and Cosmosaurus from a void dimension. 
It's a game with a runes light system inspired by Forge in the Dark and Lasers and Feelings. Uh, it comes with a bunch of tables for you to generate content for it. If you know my games, they are really easy to play and they have tools to help you improvise and play with low prep. It's an ideal game for one-shots, short campaigns and introducing new people to the hobby and it's a really perfect family game. I play with my kids all the time. It's a game inspired by Saturday morning cartoons. It's really well illustrated uh, by Lukas Kowalski from Poland and with a great layout by Guilherme Gontijo. It's a really fun game. You should check it out on DriveThruRPG, itch.io or exclusively in print on ExaltedFurnal.com. I have many other games there, check them out. All the links are in the show notes, so click there. And let's get back to weird with our chat. Yeah, yeah, my, my wife is going to like Sao Paulo, it's a nearby city. It's like the closest thing in Brazil can get to New York because how these restaurants and this 24 hour culture, big city, museums and stuff. And mm -hmm. like since I go to Combs and I have kind of this this daddy vacations without the kid and stuff. So that's like her mommy vacation with her friends and stuff. So it's it, yeah. it's great. It's we, we need this this time uh to be ourselves too. Like some people uh when they get married, get this mental well, we become just one person, but uh we which are this we need this part being ourselves to don't remember who we are like it's great to be other person but it's more like some is not like reducing to just one thing right yeah it's it's so important i mean it's funny that we we laugh about this because jesse is so supportive of what i do and she's my number one fan oh, yeah. you know it's weird to say but we we have our own separate hobbies in our own friend groups and she she is so respectful of gaming but she doesn't really love doing it. Like she's tried it, yeah. but she's not really into it. And like, that's okay. It's, yeah. And we have our own interests that, that I think it's, it's a lot healthier than if we had like merged into one person that yeah. did all the same stuff, you know? Yeah. It gets some help because you see some, some people doing that and uh, inevitably one of them years later say, Whoa, I'm not this, this bird. I'm not you. And, and, and then a crisis can happen. So it's important to give each other space to be them themselves. So uh it's nice to talk to, to other people about this. And then I don't know. We yeah. I'm going through uh, someone, a friend that it's going through this problem. Like they're trying to be their own person, but like their partners are like trying to block this. And it's it's hard to watch, right? Because you see uh because me, me and my partner, my wife, we went through some kind of this like during the pandemic. We always like crisis and we're much more much better now and stronger and happier together. But we always had this, this, and we see other people going through it and, and we don't know how can we help, you know, it's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It is hard. It's hard to, it's, yeah, it, it, I feel like the, the, the longer I'm married, the more I realize that it's, it's, um, you don't just sit back and let the relationship. Oh no just it's work whatever yeah you yeah. you have to continue to with yourself as work. a person yeah it yeah. is it is it's so worth it but it's um yeah. yeah it's about like really striving not to just stop yeah. you know don't just like let yourself stop growing or pursuing things or you know yeah, yeah it's it, there I, I feel like that is a easy way is to get complacent. You know, if you just, if you just 
stop being the person you were before you got yeah. married, you know? So anyway, this is a marriage advice from game designers. <laughs> well, well, it's part of who you are. That's that's yeah. something I like to get into where we get here. But uh, it's it makes a lot of sense because if we start loving ourselves for who we are, it's kind of hard to love someone else, you know? So yes. it's important for us to keep our identities and be sure of who, who we are, what we love. So we, we can see that in the other person too and recognize that the other person can be different from us because we are different from them. You know? Exactly. Like when, when you first met them and they weren't in your life, you weren't doing yeah. all the same stuff together, but you love them. So yeah, remembering that they're their own person. Um, it just makes me more impressed by my wife. She's she's a really impressive person. And the the more things she achieves out of her own interests and desire, the more I'm like, gosh, you're so amazing. You know, I'm so excited for her, all the stuff that she does. And um, yeah, she, she's she's just a cooler person every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same, same, same feeling here. Like my wife, how the journey, all the things that he she she conquered um, and she keeps growing growing and then and, and it's healthy to 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 be this one for each other like the same way you said like your wife seemed like your biggest fan always supportive and it's always like that with i, I mean uh partners with artists uh because they they have to be our fans sometimes they have to be our our parents when like in this creative crisis and then mm-hmm. they they're really fantastic. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for them, for for sure. And then, yes. But recognizing how how much awesome they are too, it's it's really important. Oh yeah, like I think that if if I didn't have such a supportive partner, I would. There's no way I would be doing this work, you know. Yeah. So she's she's like she believes in me more than I believe in myself yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. All these creative books I read about, like arts or even philosophy, there's always a chapter about. Uh, marrying well, you know, choose yes. well the person you're going to be with because it's 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 very important because it's someone that will will learn from and help you be better. Uh, there is there's something uh, if the person you are with are not helping you grow, it's helping to reduce you. Get out of that relationship. The relationship mm-hmm. is to help you be bigger and not smaller, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true and. The, the the better I've done in life has been because I've been surrounded by not only a partner who yeah. makes me better, but friends who inspire me and her, who are doing amazing things um, and who have this really wonderful energy that carries you along with them. You know, like the, those are the kind of people like the people at Gen Con. Honestly, I think yeah. that's why Gen Con was so lovely is because we were surrounded by people with that energy who have infinite excitement to share and they have yeah. such cool stuff they're doing and you feel excited about it and they feel excited about it. So it's very contagious in a good way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really, as you said, it's like a, a mantra for all kinds of relationships, be it love interests or like partnerships, friends, uh, the, Good relationships are the ones that makes us bigger and not smaller and not makes us like cut parts of selves to be, I don't know, accepted or anything like this. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, let's finish our like game designers uh, give love, uh, <laughs> love tips. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kelsey, uh, talking about weird experience you might have had, uh, do you have any, have ever had been in states of uh, altered perceptions, be it through dreams? hypnosis or psychedelics or anything like this 
and how did it made you see reality in a new way? Yes, I, you know, I, when I was younger, I would get night terrors a lot. Um, and I still as an adult, I sometimes do, but I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever had this or if you know what these are there, um, there, when you have a really powerful nightmare, but you're conscious, like you're actually awake during it and oh, yeah. partially, um, and so you can't move, but you are perceiving some kind of really intense, scary thing. Um, and I, you know, I haven't really done a lot of like other psychedelic things. I feel like night terrors were enough because I had a lot of them when I was a kid. And um, they, they definitely factor in still to this day to, to things that I write. Um, oh, yeah. Because I write a lot of horror, actually, yeah. um, which, which is funny because I'm actually the biggest scared baby ever. <laughs> like I can barely sit through a horror movie. But I... I um I feel like they they gave me a good understanding of something that's truly scary without actually being dangerous strange, strangely like um I didn't have to be traumatized in order to understand terror because of these weird dreams um and so I think I would definitely call those a sort of psychedelic experience because it's like an altered brain state. You know, you're really, you're perceiving yeah. something that's not real and it seems completely real to you until you wake up. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I don't have a lot of those anymore. I've got, I've got, I get them once in a while as an adult, but, but I don't think I've had one for a few years, but yeah, I don't know. What about you? Have you had anything like that? I mean, I, I always say that I, I daydream so much that I don't have dreams when I sleep because I, I barely <laughs> remember what I what I dream. Uh, but about this 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 night terrors, uh, can you share any any of those dreams and how is your relationship with them? Because you seem to be inspired by them, but you fear them. So do you have kind of this love hate relationships with them? How 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 yes. they make you feel? You know. They they're so when I have them, and I think this is common for people, it's always um like there's like a man who um I can't really see his features clearly, but he's like a few steps away from me and he is trying to kill me. <laughs> like he's about to kill me. Like that's usually what it is. Like I know he has like a knife or something, and and like you're stuck in this moment where you know, <laughs> sorry, like warning to anybody who finds these kinds of things scary it's not real it's just, yeah. just a dream but content um, warning but, yeah okay yeah 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 if if night terrors bother you don't listen to this part but um yeah. but yeah i um it you know you feel real fear like during them um and you can't move and i think that um it kind of it it sort of teaches you what it feels like to be fully helpless um, in, you know, in a situation where you're in danger. And, um, that is a really important element of horror, of horror writing. And I think experiencing those things, um, made me understand how, how powerful they are as a tool for creating like fear and suspense, because to this day, I, I really believe that the scariest thing about any situation is not really knowing what it is that's trying to harm you, but being sure that it is and that it's out there. Um, and I think that's like why the movie Alien is so scary or like why, um, I don't know if you ever saw this. There's a, there's a show that I think was on Netflix called Bird Box where 
there were these monsters in the world that if you saw them, you would die. So, so you, people would go around with blindfolds on and stuff, trying to escape these things. Um, yeah. And, and you never saw what they looked like in the whole series, like in the whole movie, the audience never saw them. And that's why they were scary because you knew they're out there and they could harm you and they would harm you, but you never understood them fully. And so I think that's the core of, 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 true terror and suspense um and i got to learn that lesson through through experiencing terrible nightmares (laughs) yeah so that was a long story short (laughs) that has that has some to do with that philosophy that some game masters shared about not not naming the monsters so you don't say oh you see a goblin oh you see this figure in the dark it's small and has all these words and start describing parts of the monster but never give it its entire form so they can't really understand it and that's make it scary right mm. yes yeah. absolutely it's it's a strong technique for being scary yeah. right there <laughs> but do you do you wake up when these things happens or do you do you see the whole dream like what's the yeah, end like do you I, wake I up can or no? see it like i can oh, yeah. usually see it like the, i remember the last time i had one that he was standing in my door frame um and looking at me um but i couldn't see it it's weird because i could tell that he was looking at me but i couldn't see his features mm. um and uh they feel like they go on for a long time and you i the, i always have the feeling of trying to wake up during them but you can't mm. your like body is paralyzed because yeah. you're in that weird you're in like a deep sleep state still where your body is naturally doesn't can't move um So I usually am trying and trying and trying to wake up and then I eventually fall asleep again. Um, And then I wake up a while later, you know, but I never can wake up during them. That's the problem. You know, I can never wake up during them. I think I had one of these when I was a kid and I I associate that with ghosts. That's for me, like my ghost story. Uh, Because we had this, this Formula One pilot here in Brazil called Ayrton Senna. I don't know if you remember him. He was very famous. He was like three times champion, uh, but he died in a in a in a race. And as it's as it's people do, they started making jokes about it. And mm-hmm. and you know, as a kid, I started making jokes about this this dead idol I had, and was making jokes all day. And when I went home at night, my parents was, were traveling to São Paulo, and I was with my sister and my grandma. And I slept in my room and I wake up in the middle of the night with someone pulling me from the bed, you know, and I had to like hold on to the to the rails of the bed and I must start to scream, but I couldn't scream because something was like uh, choking me. It was oh. all dark. I couldn't call anyone. And it was for me, it took like hours like this. And yes. I remember uh, when I in the morning, when I told this to my grandma, she said that in the same night, someone was trying to push her out of bed, you know? Oh, yes. oh my, the same night? That, <laughs> yeah. that is, that is so supernatural. Like that's, that's so weird because not a lot of people who have night terrors, um, like will have something move them or anything during it. Like usually oh, yeah. it's just like, there's a bad thing in the room with you and you don't, and you can't do anything about it, but it's like really rare for the dream to have some kind of like actual contact with you so it's so unusual that yeah i felt like was being pulled out i was i was sure it was was a ghost (laughs) maybe it was (laughs) i don't know 
Dang. Now, did that ever? Now I now I associate with knife terrors. I don't know if that is or not, but I, yeah, I, I mean, prefer yeah. yeah, prefer to believe it's knife terrors than ghosts. I know. But my sister that, that lived in the next next room, she said that sometimes she would see like this dark figure in like the corridor that goes yeah. through our room. And she would grab this this painting of Jesus Christ and put by her bed, and then the figure would would go away. <laughs> wow! Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so scary. That's yeah. You, who knows? I I feel like um I feel like a lot of people who who believe they've been abducted by an alien um that it was yeah. actually in some cases demonstrated to be a night terror instead yeah um you know because there were other people around who were who knew that they weren't ever moved from their location but yet they experienced this nightmare where they were taken by aliens so um so those really vivid kind of things tend to be night terrors yeah yeah well Ooh, scary <laughs> <laughs> it's just after I've... halloween here so we had our spooky holidays so yeah this yeah, is right on theme let's talk yeah, that's what I was going to ask afterwards. Like, do you do believe in ghosts? And have you ever seen one? Ah, uh, I, I, I don't know if I believe in ghosts. I, I think rationally that I don't, but, um, but I want to because I think it would be, I think it'd be really cool. I, I'm sure that there are things about the universe that we don't understand and that we can't perceive. Um, we, we only have five senses, but. But there's so much more out there that we can't perceive, even though we know it's there. So, so who am I to say, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah, I, I, I thought maybe once I saw a ghost, um, when I was a kid where, um, I was in Colorado, which is like a state with a lot of really high mountains and mines. Um, so there was a lot of mining done in the mountains and I went on a tour into one of these mines with my family and they, they only take about like 10 people down at a time because you go down these really narrow shafts down really far in and it's really hard to get people to fit. So they have one group go in and then that group leaves and then they bring the next group. Um, and we were walking past a place where there had been a collapse and some miners had died there. And I was at the back of the line. And I, I remember looking backwards up the hall, like up the tunnel and I saw a man <laughs> standing in the tunnel um, and he was wearing like overalls, like work overalls. Um, and he was just watching me. And I I <laughs> was like, oh, I, I was like, is that like another tour guide? Like, are they bringing another group down or like, does he work here? And he just, he, he just stood there for a while. And I um, looked back up to, 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 walk on the path a little yeah. more and then I checked to see if, he, if they were getting closer and there was nobody there was nobody there and so I'm like either they were playing a prank on us or there was someone there and he left although I don't know how because we were so far down the mine shaft so I I don't know I maybe it was yeah. maybe it was a ghost I don't know yeah have you seen one do you think yeah well there was this this incident and there was this other time uh, that we used to go to like this this house in the country that uh belonged to my my mother's like boss they would rent to us cheaper and but there were stories that used to be in like a a farm that they a long time ago that had slaves and people died there and i remember that like in the first floor of the of this house 
uh, there was no electricity, but it, you have like some some rooms there with uh, candles and this kind of stuff. But uh, the only electricity in the upper upper floor. But like when all of the family would go there, like the kids would have to sleep in the in the lower floor. So I was, as you said, like I like horror. I, I I've I've only watched the Alien like after being I after thirty years old. I'm really scared as a kid. I I I hated watching that movie with the the toy that's a killer, uh, oh, Chucky. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I was really scared, but I would have to sleep there. But I remember once there was no electricity. There was nobody at home. We just have been arrived. But I saw like in the last room in the in the first floor, light and the shadow of someone there. But there wasn't oh. supposed to be anyone there, you know. <laughs> and then oh, I went you... to call my parents and then went back and there was no one else there. But yeah. Oh my God. Do you do you ever wonder if it was someone trying to mess with you? Or do you think like yeah, they couldn't that, have been? Yeah, there's there's the other problem is that because there's all these stories and my family would go there, like my 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 uncles would do stupid things to scare the kids, you know. Say so they would uh. drag they would drag chains because there was this this room there that we used to call like the screaming room because <sighs> legend says it would hear screaming coming from the room. So it would be night and someone would get to that room and scream to scare the kids, you know. <laughs> so I'm never really sure what was real, what was not, because uh, people who live there, they they told us ghost stories. And my my father uh, said said he saw his parents there and and had these weird stories mixed with the 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 pranks that my 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 uncles would would play on us. <laughs> right, you're like you want you want to believe it was a prank, but at the same time, how can you ever know? You know, yeah. so. Whew, that's that's kind of scary. You, I would yeah. I would not have been able to sleep downstairs. I would have absolutely not been able to do it. That is very brave of you. <laughs> <laughs> because the other thing is also that I would invite friends, so I didn't want to look like scared in front of my friends and stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. Because we would sleep all all the kids in there, so it was scary. But we we were together, you know. So it's, it's good and bad, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> uh, and what about aliens? Do do believe in aliens, in UFOs? Have you ever seen one? Oh, I, okay. I totally believe in aliens and UFOs. Um, I just, because I just think it's impossible that there couldn't be some other intelligent life out there. Um, it's just the, the universe is too big. And um it's funny because my wife is is actually super fascinated by UFOs and and you know reports especially lately in in the in the US in particular there's been a lot of new um really official information that's been coming out that's just sort of hard to deny like really yeah. um you know really trusted people in our military who would file reports saying they saw things and um and I I wonder if I've ever seen one because I um I used to live really far up, very, very far up at the north of the United States with the border border where Canada is. Um and it's all just really dark forest up there and it's pretty desolate. There aren't a lot of people who live there. Um and so we lived out in the woods and um one night we looked out uh, over the trees 
And there was this orb in the sky that was like all different colors. It was all crazy different colors. And it was strobing between all these rainbow colors. And then it would move super fast, like without any, without any acceleration or, or deceleration and just stop. And then it would stay there for a while. And then it would just move to another place super fast. And I I remember thinking to myself, like, that can't be like a drone. Like that can't be some kid's toy. There's not going to be a kid out in the forest in the middle of the night. Um, And we could not figure out what it was. We filmed it. And my wife took frame by frame images of it. And each frame, the object is a different shape and color. So in one frame, it's a triangle that's purple. And then in the next frame, it's a circle that's yellow. And in the next frame, it's a rectangle that's red, you know? Um, and there's two have the video? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I wonder if I can, I'll, I'll send you the yeah. frame by frame stills that we took of it. And we could not figure out what it was. And we kind of got freaked out. And then we started looking on the internet and four other places around the Northern United States had seen that same thing that same night all across the Northern U S and it was so weird. I, I, I'll never know what it was. I don't know, but I'll send you the image. (laughs) Yeah, please. Uh, I've been watching. There is this new series that uh, doc series that uh, released on Netflix called encounters. And it's basically about this about uh, really big encounters in the world that was, wasn't was seen by just one or two person. Like there's this thing that 300 people saw this thing, this other place that like a lot of people saw it and they they, they have the reports of militaries denying it initially and then giving other explanations. So it sounds so suspicious, you know? And then they have records of the, the flight signals and they can see there was something that was moving so fast that even in the other military vessels wasn't moving as fast and was one this place or that place and and it matched with the sites that people were seeing you know so it's yeah. it's very fascinating if if your wife likes it uh encounters on Netflix so I two have, things yes yeah I'm sure she I'm I'm positive she's been watching it and I know I've seen some of that with her and I we just watched a special about a really famous case in Brazil and Virginia, I think that oh, happened. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know about that case. And yeah, it's... yeah, it's very famous. It's we we it's the ET of Virginia. It's like the extraterrestrial yes. of Virginia. Yeah. Oh, and it was absolutely just—it's unbelievable. I mean, it is beyond explanation. It just the the, the most simple explanation is that it happened. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it couldn't be a conspiracy. It, that level it was just there's there's too much there's too too many people saw too much there's too much data that supports all of it there was too much suspicious behavior from the government it's just incredible yeah yeah well there is people that 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 don't think it's actually aliens but just beings from other dimension as you said yes. like we only have this very limited uh sense of reality uh, i was reading a book by Stephen hawkins uh and and he said that there is a scientific theory with, with stuff that evidence proving that there is actually eight dimensions, but we all, we only experience three. So what the fuck is up with the other eight, with the other five? Oh, you know? I know. Don't you wish sometimes that you, you, you know, because like when, when you don't have a sense, you just simply cannot understand what it is. It's like, you know, it's like somebody who's, who's been blind their whole life 
there's no real way to explain to them what seeing is, even though you yeah. wish you could. And and so I wonder, like, in what ways are we all blind to to certain For sure. certain yeah. things that that it's beyond our understanding? It's almost like you can barely imagine it. But I wish that I could, you know. Yeah. And, and even the senses we have, like our sight, we can't see everything. There is like infrared or like ultraviolet, all this kind of stuff they're missing. And some animals can see. Some stuff we see, they can see. Some stuff we hear, they can't. And so uh, yeah. there's always this thing that the reality we see, it's the model we have from the senses we got and from the perspective we have. But the model you have is probably different than mine because the place you were born, the people you are. And then it's this beautiful phrase that uh, a comedian that really inspired me that actually inspired the show, uh, Pete Holmes, that said, if I were this other person, I would be this other person, you know? So it, it's be able to recognize that we all have this very limited perception of reality and what we believe not necessarily is true. Our experience is not the basis of other people's experiences. And, and, and that helps us see a, co a more complete picture of reality if we, if we take input from other people too, you know? So that's probably... The dimension so we, we 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 don't see everything so there's a lot of this weird stuff we we don't understand so we create these labels to help us make some sense of it uh there's yeah. a phrase that, that 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 i heard recently is that that god is the name of the blanket we throw over the mystery of the stuff we don't understand you know that's a really that's a really beautiful way of putting it it i love that because it's true throughout the ages and and the one thing that most cultures have in common, all cultures actually throughout history, is that they would explain the unknown by some godlike being. Um, yeah. So and not it's, necessarily it's, yeah. this this guy that's in the sky judging us. Right. It's just something the mystery of of being, of being aware, of being alive. You know. That's, yeah, like some that's force that was beyond, far, far beyond our understanding. Like almost yeah. every culture has developed um something surrounding that you know so it's it's so interesting um i wonder i wonder if someday you know because we do have we do have our senses that we have maybe someday a human will be born who kind of has a sixth sense yeah. like for real you know it's yeah. totally not impossible to imagine so well yeah. there is people that can kind of see sounds or hear colors and yeah. And sometimes under the effect of psychedelics, you, you can experience that too. I remember one day I was having a shroom trip and I, I could feel I was listening to the Beatles. I love the Beatles. And they, like the music was playing me, like my body, like was vibrating. It's kind of because of the music, you know. So we have the, we have ways and, and, and psychedelics are, you can achieve the states of, outer perception like psychedelics without using any kind of substance you can use music like as you're a musician there's like rhythm music that can get you to this kind of state so there's really stuff out there uh that we're not accessing and sometimes there's way for us to access this and maybe there's even more stuff that we haven't figured out how to get there yet no yeah i'm sure there is right there has yeah. to be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we can explore and talking about this this kind of we're talking about mysteries and, and God and 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 these greater things. Do you have any kind of spirituality or religion or even a philosophy that helps you guide uh, you through life? Yeah, I you know I'm not like I'm not 
classically religious, you know, I, it's interesting because my family, my, my mother is Roman Catholic and she raised us to, to know that religion. Um, it doesn't really, in my opinion, it's not really, it's not for me, but I, um, but I think that there has to be some kind of, um, I don't know if it's a conscious force. I certainly don't think it's a human centric force, but I think that there is some kind of like immense unity to the universe that's beyond our perception. And there's some kind of, um, you know, there's some kind of explanation in a way for everything that exists that, um, that's kind of, that's kind of mystical, you know, I, yeah. I guess I, I guess I, um, I'm a little bit of like, I'm a little bit of like, you know, the universe is sort of an, uh, an uncaring entity, like the life of me as an individual is of zero importance to the ongoings of the universe. Um, but it's, again, it's also like the, the quote where nothing you do will matter, but it still matters that you do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, where every, every tiny component of it has its part to play. And so, um, it's kind of, it's there, you know, I have these moments, I think astronauts experience these moments where they're removed enough from earth that they can look at it as a unified thing. Um, yeah. And I, I think that once in a while I'll have this, this, this just brief insight where I'm like, oh, you know, we're all, we're all somehow involved in something that ties us together. So it's kind of comforting to think that because it's so easy for the world to be divisive and, and for people to not agree or have a common cause, but it's undeniable that we all do actually have one when you look from far enough away. So I like, I like to think about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I always, I was a reason religious too, Catholic, and then my, my parents went to this kind of re Japanese religion called Messianic with the jury thing. And, wow. and then I became, uh, I, I went to like youth groups. Then I became uh, 80s because I started asking stuff and people would give me answers. And then in comedy, which I love, it's very 80s, like George Carly <laughs> and this kind of stuff. But this, this, is, this comedy, this comic that I really like, it's Pete Holmes, uh, which is basically this podcast and stuff. But, but he's religious and then, he made me see things in a really weird way because like, oh, oh, all my, com my comedian friends are atheists and they say, oh, makes no sense, man. Uh, well, the universe came from the Big Bang and what came uh, before the Big Bang? Oh, nothing. Nothing came before the Big Bang. Oh, so there is nothing. Nothing created everything. And it was, yeah, there's nothing and it created something. And what happens when you die? Nothing, man. Nothing happens when you die. And then he says, oh, so you go back to your creator. Like since nothing creates everything and then you die and you become nothing, like you go back to your creator. And just like religious people, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, it's the same <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah, you're right. I, that's that's really fascinating. I, I haven't heard that that line of thinking before, but it does make sense. Like, you know, even if you, it can't be that, that there was nothing before there was something that's yeah. simply like it's simply two things that can't be true at the yeah. same time. What does it mean? I, I don't know, but, yeah. um, but yeah, that's his argument too. Yeah. Oh, people. Oh, but it makes afterlife makes no sense, man. Oh yeah. Because this makes a lot of sense. Right. 
this right. makes no fucking sense at all. <laughs> so actually, it's it's a precedent for more shit that doesn't make sense, you know? Exactly. It's it's so it's true, and you know, I think that some people really, it really makes them upset to think that life doesn't have a greater meaning, because I don't know if it does or not. But um, I remember that there was there's a, an evolutionary biologist named Richard Dawkins who once asked, um, you know, well, there are incredibly beautiful things in this world. Um, over there's a mountain. What's the meaning of that mountain? And yeah. the mountain doesn't have a meaning. It doesn't worry about its meaning. It's just there. And it's being, and it, yeah. yeah, it's just, it exists. It doesn't have a meaning. And I think that people want to aren't comfortable with applying that same line of, of yeah. thinking to the human existence, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's, you know, not some, yeah. you know, some, it doesn't mean that like life is meaningless. I just think that we look at it the wrong way, you know, like, I like yeah, maybe existing that is its purpose. Being yeah. existing is a purpose unto itself. Yeah. You know? For sure. Like the, the, like something that I hear like God being, God being being just the existence being oneness you know and and that's like we are all like manifestations of this God like we're all awareness uh and that's something that ties us together like we are the only species that that's able to say oh these molecules no we are molecules no we're alive and have this this com these conversations that we are not born in the universe. We are born from the universe as a way to ex explore itself in some ways. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's, it's, you know, like it can, it can be, it can be kind of like whimsical and, and sad to think about existence and its purpose. But um, yeah, I don't know. Do you ever wake up at 3am and you're like, I'm going to die one day. <laughs> like that happens to me. Yeah. But, I don't know, but it, it's good too. I didn't, because we don't want to stay here forever and see that the people we love die and we're staying here. Uh, we have a time and I, I, I think I'm glad this is going to end someday because it's, it's tiresome too, you know? It has I don't to, know. yeah. And yeah. even vampires are not going to survive when the sun explodes. So I don't know what they yeah. think they're getting with yeah. their immortality. But... Yeah. And, and I like to say that like, what the purpose of life is giving life purpose, you know? You... you, you... Huh. As the thing you said, like love requires work and life too. You just can't expect to to have all figured out. You have to find, you have to give yourself your life purpose. Life doesn't have a purpose by itself. The purpose is for you to to find it out there, I think. Like what makes yeah, sense yeah. or what makes you tick, I don't know. Right, because you all you know what the ending is going to be. And so like yeah. this there's a video game like this that I love. Um uh okay, spoiler alert for anyone. Who has not played Hyper Light Drifter? Um, spoilers pending, so just plug your ears. Um, <laughs> but really, like, to without totally spoiling it, you don't really win in the end. Like, you know, like it's it's kind of about um, it's like the entire video game is sort of an examination of the fact that trying to avoid death is actually really not the whole purpose of everything like 
you know, like you can, you can get to the end of the game without barely doing anything, or you can explore the entire overworld and complete every quest and whatever. And unfortunately the outcome of what happens to you is actually still the same, no matter what. So it's, 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 uh, it's taking the focus away from being about winning the game or getting what you thought you wanted and more about being like, well, what did you do before, before this moment came, you know? which is a good life lesson actually yeah it's a fantastic metaphor for life yeah i, yeah. I don't know the game and now i'm gonna look for it because it's, oh, it it's sounds a beautiful very, very game. interesting yeah the soundtrack too is just absolutely spectacular it's 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 a wonderful game mm-hmm. oh now the soundtrack okay and now one of the last questions there are more whimsical and get to know a little bit like maybe your personality or what stuff you like so uh Kelsey, if you could have any superpower uh, imaginable, uh, what would you choose and what would be the first thing you would do with it? Oh, I, okay. Um, Gosh, there's so many good options. Um, But Mm -hmm. I would love, this is kind of, I don't know if if people would agree that this is a good one. I would love to be able to fly like fast um, because it would be so cool. It would be so cool to be able to like fly around everywhere and see everything and and be able to move in this way that was impossible. And um, I would love to go fly and see my family whenever I felt like it or like fly over the mountain because it would be cool and fun. And I just think having like that kind of maneuverability and stuff would be, it would be so cool. And to, and to know that, you know, because whenever you go in an airplane, you're like, I could die, right? <laughs> you know, but if you could fly, I mean, you could, you just could, you wouldn't ever be in danger of just like your engine failing yeah. and falling out of the sky. So I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. I don't know. What, what would you choose? Well, I, I've always, I felt, I think about flying and think about the invisibility as I yeah. want to be able to see things and observe. I, I love people watching. Like when I went to Gencon this year, afterwards I spent, after I spent like five days in New York and I, I love like just buying a coffee or something and sitting in Central Park or in like a very busy street and watching people, you know, especially in New York because uh, it's a very cosmopolitan city and there's people that seem to to have been coming from the future and there's people that seems to be stuck in 1930s and all, all everything in between, you know. So like being visible is something I, I really wouldn't like, but flying is also, I think, allowed to, not necessarily because of the, stuff I could do, but the sensation, like being in the sky and the winds over you, it must be like a really fantastic feeling, you know, of freedom and, and just, you know, going to see the mountains and find the mountains and in the forest, as you said, like you lived in, in the north of the USA and all these beautiful vistas and the Aurora Borealis and this kind of stuff would be really, yeah. really fantastic for sure. Yeah, That would. <laughs> but something else now, uh, if you could get any any weird or fantastical thing, it could be a creature or like powers or a place, anything that's it's fictional and make it real in our world, uh, what would it be and why is that? Ooh, oh, this is tricky too. Uh, I I tend to think I tend to think about video games for some reason with this question. Um, I mean. It would be super cool to have a Pokemon and have that kind of bond that the trainer has with their Pokemon. Like, 
Um, I don't know why, but that I, I loved the game since I was a kid. So it's just undeniable. Me but too. I yeah. love it. Yeah. It'd be so great to have like a best friend that you went on adventures with that um, had these cool abilities and powers and, you, you know, like you, yeah, like a, a, like a super pet in some way. That would be really cool. Um, what would then, you choose? Who? Like Charmeleon, Charizard, or Char or Charmander, Charizard, or, or Squirtle? No. I, oh yes. Yeah. You got like all the evolutions. Yeah. You know them all. No. There was yeah. There was like Bulbasaur, and then, yeah, Bulbasaur, um, Squirtle, and and not Charmeleon and Charizard. It's Charmander. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dang. Um. I think I would probably choose Charmander because he's so cool. He turns into a flying dragon. Like he's so cool. Yeah. I I love. I actually chose Bulbasaur because, um, for a, for a poor reason because I knew that it would make the first gym easier to beat. I knew the first oh, yeah. gym was like weak to grass, but like if I had been true to myself, I would have chosen <laughs> Charmander. So in hindsight, yeah. What of those three, which would you choose? I really like uh, Squirtle because of the 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 episode like the Aquas and they all seem like yeah we are cool <laughs> you know and I remember the video of this kid finding the the Blastoise card and being like yes, Blast it was so fun <laughs> Blastoise was so cool and Squirtle definitely had the coolest attitude out of yeah. all of them. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. uh, I always like red and fire. So yeah, Charmander is really, really tempting. You know, mm -hmm. my favorite yeah. color is red. So yeah, <laughs> and fire. Oh, see, and yeah. Yeah. there you go. My my favorite color is green. So that might have played into Bulbasaur as well. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, finally, uh, last question. Do you remember the last time you, you felt really happy and grateful for being here and being alive? And if you do, can you share with us? Uh, what was it and how it was? Yeah, I, you know, I do think that generally I, I am a happy person and, um, and, and definitely grateful for all the cool stuff I get to do. Um, but, you know, like sometimes you have moments where you're like, it's, you said it, you realize that you're like, wow, I'm so happy in this moment. It's like really special. Um, I think one, like one recently was when I was holding my little baby nephew. Cause he, he's just like, it's magical when you hold a baby that you're, I mean, you as a father must know this. I don't have any children, but it was kind of the next closest thing that I have to having a, yeah. a child who's related to me. And I remember being like, wow, this is just like a really peaceful, like happy moment where I didn't feel like I was thinking about all the stuff I had to do or like, you know, letting my mind wander off in the directions it always wants to go. And I was able to just kind of be in this moment for longer than I normally am with this, this sweet little baby who was sleeping and he was really happy that I was holding him. So that that was definitely a very um, strikingly happy moment in my recent history. Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like it's much easier to be happy when we are like present in the moment. And mm -hmm. because of anxiety, I always like my mind always raced to, to all the stuff I have to do or I have to figure out. And and as you mentioned that, like you you were able to to be still and be there with with this baby or your, like your nephew. And do you do you find that too? Do you, do you have a hard time being being present and enjoying the moments you are having, or not being like taken away? Because uh, being human, we always like. Sometimes we feel like uh, puppets, like meat puppets, 
we have the spots and we're not even feeling our bodies we're not feeling the the, the clothes on our skin and and then we have to make this very intentional effort like to okay i'm here now and i'm back in my body and not like in the clouds above my head yeah it's it is hard to it's hard to 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 really be in the moment because i think um a lot of a lot of people are you know who do work like us we're writers we're creatives we're always thinking about stuff we want to do um we've always got a project in the works and daydreaming um, yeah 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 definitely i'm a daydreamer too like you and and um you know it's 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 hard to it's hard to let that go even for a minute sometimes and it can be hard when you're used to having a job that's like i got to hustle to to allow yourself to not hustle for a minute and not feel guilty about it so yeah. um you feel like no i got to be doing something productive all the time everything i do has to in some way line up with my goals and my ambitions and my creative plans yeah. so yes it can be hard to not get caught up in that but you you have to make you have to I have to like make an effort to be like no yeah. <laughs> i'm going to make myself relax i am not going to do anything that is work adjacent you know so yeah. it's hard i don't know do you find that hard too yeah of course i mean i have a a year calendar with marking the days i'm I'm doing work and i feel pressure to to keep going and but sometimes i can it gets like 10 p.m and i haven't done anything and i'm like oh i have to make something and sometimes i, I stay a little bit late just to do something uh but i'm trying to let go and then I'm trying to get in my headspace to to miss a day, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's hard. It's really yes. hard. Yeah. And like it's hard not to feel guilty if you're like, "Oh, I spent all day playing Legend of Zelda when I should have yeah. been researching." But you yeah. but you do have to you do have to yeah. let yourself take some breaks otherwise yeah. it won't be. And, and then I to then I start to mentalize, "Oh no, I wasn't playing. I was doing research." You know. Yes. Yes, yes. I always say that. I'm like Zelda's a game. I write yeah. games. Uh yeah. Of course, it's research, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you'll see, that's basically all the questions I have. I'm really glad you're here. I'm really glad we have this opportunity to talk. Uh, I've took all these great notes. I'm very interested about the video. And I, I, I could be continue talking, asking about music. Uh, that's something I'm very interested. I'm really glad I had the opportunity to talk to you about Bo Burnman, uh, <laughs> which is like a, <laughs> my creative crush. Uh, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to you have any uh, weird thing to say to the weirdos who listen to this at home or any uh, something new you want people to check out before we go. Ooh. Yeah, I just want to ask anyone listening, anyone who supports my work to um, to let yourself be as weird as you know you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really it. That's a great message, people. Don't be afraid. Weird is the new wonderful. So let's get weird. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Diogo. It was so great to talk to you. Yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you for listening to Weird Games and Weirder People. If you'd like to keep up with the show, please subscribe to be notified when we release new episodes. If you'd like to support us, please leave a review or head on to code-fi.com slash WGNWP. See you next time, and remember, Weird is the new Wonderful.